What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, folks. Uh, this week, we've got a special episode. We're coming at you with another OnlyFans model, one of those top-tier OnlyFans models, uh, but, <laughs> but a really unique perspective. So uh, we've got Nita Marie on the show. And uh, way back in 2017, Nita, she went through a difficult divorce. And after that, she vowed to reclaim her love for her body and sexuality. And so this is where her online modeling journey began. And now fast forward four years later, she's reaching millions of people online, all whilst spreading the message of Jesus through her body. That's right. Uh, We've got a Christian OnlyFans model, and it is a fascinating story, and I fucking love this episode. I hope you enjoy it. And of course, as always, we'll see you on the other side. All right, this is going to be really fun. We are sitting with Nita Marie, um, who is uh, Nita. You're an OnlyFans. You're an OnlyFans model. Yes. Um, and we, we've done we've done a couple episodes now in the past, at like the you know recent past where we're, we're exploring um, uh, OnlyFans and speaking to OnlyFans models that are that are kind of like 
killing it in that scene, doing quite well. Um, but you've got a really interesting take on OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Um, as you are, you're, you are, a, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you are a Christian OnlyFans model, which yeah. is... <laughs> I love it. I love Christians. I'm not one myself. I was raised one. Both my parents Roman very, Catholic here. very Christian. Yep, yep. And yeah, and we love, I love, I it. love it. Two worlds collide. It sounds like an oxymoron, yeah. really. Yeah, it yeah. does. Christianity and, and, and sex work uh, have a very, very... Uh, long history? Long history. Uh, a, a long and like sordid history. And, mm-hmm. um, and so... Uh, you know, the fact that you're sharing the message of God while while showing some skin like that, that tagline is golden. And, yeah. and I, I, I'm, I'm just I'm dying to know uh, a little bit about your story. Like, how, what's the backstory here? How does how does one go from a sweet, wholesome Christian woman to right. a to a, uh, a devout Christian woman who is uh, maybe not so sweet? Not you so can wholesome. be both. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a lot of times the question is, you know, am I being led by Satan or am I being led by God? (laughs) And I think that that to me is kind of a cool question because um, when I started getting into uh, adult modeling, my whole thing was I kept going back and, you know, asking God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? Because I had played around with modeling in college. I had done some nude modeling, but nothing really too intense or explicit. And when I got married, I definitely put that all behind me. And so really it started because when I got my divorce five years ago, I wanted to rediscover my own self-esteem, my own self-confidence, my own sexuality. And so I decided to do a photo shoot. And it was a boudoir photo shoot. It wasn't even a nude photo shoot, but the pictures just turned out so good. And I got so much attention for them. I started to think, wow, I'm actually pretty good at this, you know, Um, because this is something I always have naturally wanted to do, but never really had the confidence to do. Mm -hmm. So I took like a full year to really dive into uh, modeling. And I started to look at sexuality as an art and um, started to look at it as, well, we have this gift and it's our body. And I don't think God wants us to be ashamed of it. I don't think he wants us to be ashamed of sex. Um, I started just to look at the fact that Adam and Eve were born naked, you know, in the garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until original sin happened that they started to become shameful. Mm -hmm. And that was the time that they covered up. And so for me, exploring my sexuality has really been an opportunity to explore divinity within my own body and uh, within sex and mm. um, my partner. Can you, um, just because we're word lovers over here and I, um, I'm, I'm one and, and we can all have such different associations with words and meanings that we attribute. Can you give me, can you say that again about divinity? Um, yeah. And, and tell me what a little, like, just explain a little bit about what you mean by divinity. Well, for me, divinity is connecting to your higher self. It's connecting to, um, if you believe in God, connecting to God. And a lot of times I find that people separate the two. They separate sex from God. Um, and that's where a lot of perversion happens. Mm. Um, and I believe anyone can explore sexuality in any way they want to 
as long as there's two things. One, no one's being um, forced to do anything. Um, and two, no one's being deceitful. And I'm sure you feel the same way being the, the, that you've explored poly, polyamory is that the only way that really works is if there's open communication. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, a lot of times because people cut off their connection to God in the bedroom, um, those two things of uh, taking control of someone against their will and deceit are easier to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where a lot of pain happens with sex. And so I just got to the point that I wanted God to be part of my life in all areas, mm -hmm. not just in like those good areas that people see being a good Christian, but like maybe those like secret areas that nobody wants to talk about. I wanted God to be part of that too. Ooh. That makes so much sense to me that, that you, you, why, if you're, you know, faithful and you're devout, you shouldn't be able to just turn that off in any situation. It should, yeah. it would be a part of the fabric yeah. of everything that you do. Yeah. If, you know, if, if it's running, you know, yeah, if, if it's such part a huge of part of your life. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Why would you leave that behind in mm -hmm. a in a in a arena that requires openness, love, mm -hmm. like you know, concern for others, well being? You know, that's mm -hmm. an that's an area where you want bedrooms. You want to have all those things in mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Um, that's really fascinating. When you do you, I assume you were raised uh within faith. In the well, church? actually, the interesting thing is, is I wasn't raised a Christian. I was raised um, by a single mom until she got remarried, but she was really my main caretaker. Uh, it, she was always spiritual, but she never told me what I had to believe. So I became Christian because I actually had a dream about um, Jesus being crucified. So this is when I was Whoa. about 12. Yeah. So I had a dream of Jesus being crucified and I could feel like the blood coming out of my hands and um, out of my feet. And I, I just saw this image. And when I woke up, I talked to my mom about it and she's like, well, Jesus was cru crucified and um, you might want to look into who Jesus was. And so I started to do my research and started to learn more about uh, Christianity and then through a cosmetic business that I'm still a part of, I ended up um, actually becoming Christian and accepting um, Jesus into my life. Wow, that's, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's neat when a when an adolescent or like mm. a child basically yeah. is like, I'm I'm curious about. Also, like the fact that you were a child and you were having a dream <laughs> where you were experiencing stigmata, like to right. me, to me, that dream is a nightmare. Like that is that's fucking scary. Yeah. Um, but a child to be like, huh, interesting. Like I gotta dig deeper into this and figure out what this might mean. That's uh, that's pretty. That's pretty fucking cool. I love that your mom was just like, you mm. might want to look into Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a really you might cool. Might want to look into this. Yeah. yeah exactly. Totally. She's always been really open and very supportive. And that's been such a blessing because I know a lot of people have their own issues of being raised in their Christian strict household, especially, I know you said you're raised Roman Catholic. I think there's a lot of issues with having Absolutely. to deprogram yourself from that. And I was lucky that I didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that's great. That's a great origin story. So as yeah. you, you know, like 12 years old, you, you discover religion and you start to like, you start down that path as a Christian. Um, and I take it that, um, 
you know, like as I feel like a lot of a lot of people who who are pretty devout to their faith, like they 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 tend to surround themselves with others who also are um, also are faithful and and believe in in Christ or you know whatever it is that they believe in. And um, uh, I take it like you know you were you were probably like attending mass and and you know creating community within your your within your religion. Um, and you were saying that you, you were married. I'm, I'm curious about like, I take it that there's this, this element of you and your, your openness to sexuality. Like, is that something that's always been there and always really been a part of you? Um, even as you were slowly kind of exploring what it means to be Christian and what religion means and, you know, what, what religious societies kind of, place on people who who are true to their faith um like was sex always really a part of like who you are yeah well I'm really glad you said that because I'm actually writing a book um so it's gonna be out in the next six months or something but it's really around that whole topic that I've always been connected to my sexuality and I remember being um kind of shamed for it as a very young age mm-hmm. um, with just a simple thing of wearing a mini skirt to school mm-hmm. and like getting little comments from the teachers or, or whatnot. And um, I started to become a lot more conscious about the fact that a lot of the boys, you know, liked me or were attracted to me or whatever. And um, it just started to be something that I was naturally good at turning on men, you know, <laughs> And it wasn't something I was trying to do. Like, it was just something I was doing. And um, in high school, my best friend and I received a lot of um, bullying from some of the cheerleaders because, of course, all the boys liked us and, you know, wanted to, to go out with us. And so it started to become kind of a confusing thing for me that I didn't know if it was good or bad that I was, you know, attractive to all these men and that they, you know, wanted to take me out and that really they were sexually attracted, mm-hmm. but, um, it became somewhat of a confusing thing, but I did turn a lot of that off when I got married. Um, partly because I turned more conservative Christian and also because my husband was also very, uh, insecure about that. So sure. like, he didn't want me to look too attractive to too many people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, in in knowing that, like, was was there always this um, sort of voice in the back of your head that that felt as though like you this is a part of you that you maybe just just due to circumstance are suppressing, but like you knew kind of wanted out and yeah. and wanted to wanted to express that, but just because of the the place that you found yourself in, like you you felt like maybe you couldn't or that it wasn't you know it wasn't um, it wasn't the, the Christian thing to do. Yes, it um, wasn't accepted. Um, yeah, I think that the whole mindset that a lot of Christians have is that I shouldn't be tempting men, you know, yeah, that yeah. men are naturally weak to, um, you know, I guess, want to cheat on their wives when they see a beautiful woman, um, and that I shouldn't be tempting them purposely. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially I shouldn't be receiving money for it. And, you know, this is where my own moral dilemma comes up because I do see their point, but on the other hand, I also still need to be myself. You know, Mm. I still need to feel 
pretty. I still need to be able to express myself in a way that feels good. And financially, I found myself in a place that I was a single mom. Um, We qualified for food stamps. Like I had $20 in my bank account. So I really had to make a change. Like I had to make more money. And so when I started modeling, it came so easily to me that it just became something that was easy for me to make money. And not that sex work is easy because I always like to tell people, people will look at my job and be like, well, if I showed my boobs on camera, I'd make a million dollars a year too, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, it's not like that. Like it's way harder than you think it is. But Mm -hmm. either way, um, there's an overall like disrespect of women that do sex work because they think that it's like, they're demeaning themselves just to make money. But in reality, for me, it's like the most natural thing for me to do this. Like it comes easy. It's fun. Um, I'm obviously making good money. So I have to separate like some opinions Mm -hmm. from me eventually having to just to take care of myself because Mm -hmm. those same people that maybe are judging me aren't going to pay my bills. They also probably don't believe in government assistance, you know, (laughs) I can't call people up and say, listen, you know, can you give me a thousand dollars because whatever. And so it's like, there's that fine line of where do you have to just eventually do what you need to do to take care of your family. I also think demeaning is sort of subjective because like what's demeaning to one person might not be at all, might be really liberating for another person. And I also think not that, not that I want everyone to agree with me when I say this, but I think a lot of the judgment about, you know, sex work is a fear-based thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's doesn't necessarily stand up against logic. Like what you're saying, it's like, okay, sex work has been around literally forever. Yeah. It is it's a, you know, my body, my choice. If you're going to hold that poster up and, and Uh say things, then that doesn't, that means my body, my choice. Like I get to do what I, with what I want with Mm -hmm. what God gave me, you know, it's, it's my body. Pleasure is, it's okay, folks. We can all calm down. Pleasure is perfectly normal and a great (laughs) fucking relief because a lot of life is really hard and suffering and painful. So like, let's embrace, let's embrace pleasure for the short amount of time that we're here. Mm. So yeah, Yeah. I can, I I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that big time. I I'm really curious about the, you know, the decision to just put it all on the line and go, fuck it. I'm going to take, I'm going to take, this is the career path that I'm like going to, really focus on putting energy into and put myself out there. Um, you know, we, we, uh, <clears throat> I have a couple of friends like right now that are toying with the idea of, of starting an OnlyFans, you know, and yeah. like they, they, they ask us questions, Brady and I both like about, you know, tips or, or things that like, that maybe we've heard on the show that might help them kind of make that transition. Um, and one thing that I find really interesting to ask folks who, who have, are, are, are in the the realm of sex work and, and are doing quite successful with it is, you know, we all start from somewhere when we start something and, and, and when we get good at something, like there's always the beginning yeah. and that beginning 
stage in any kind of like entrepreneurship is always a little bit scary and a little bit, you know, a little bit nerve wracking. So what was your experience in deciding to like take the, take the plunge into the deep end and just, and just give it everything that you've got? Like, was that, was that a a bit of a scary process and, and how did you navigate that? Yeah, well, it was scary because not only am I starting something new as an entrepreneur without very many resources, but then I'm also doing something that I know people are going to not really approve of. And so that's where my whole call from God kind of came in because I did continue to, you know, ask God, like, are you sure, like, is this really what you want me to do? And he gave me this image of Joan of Arc. So Joan of Arc was obviously someone who was very, you know, bold in her faith and what she believed. And she went out, you know, and, and professed that. And a lot of people didn't believe her, of course, and she was crucified for it, but she led like an entire uh, French army in the process of it. And um, I started to think about that with OnlyFans. And the interesting thing is, is this was before COVID happened. So um, I had started my OnlyFans about six months before COVID happened. And then COVID started in March. And uh, of course, things exploded with OnlyFans and lots of people lost their jobs. A lot of people started OnlyFans so that they could make money. And I really feel like it was a, a confirmation that God wanted me to start OnlyFans, not only for myself, but also to be there for these women that were going to start during this time that was like a very uncertain time economically for mm-hmm. people. Wow, that's really cool. Um, one of the, I think I can say this without giving away any of the identity of, of anyone, but um, like Jeremy said, we've had friends reach out different friends, like, like more than one friend reach out about starting an OnlyFans. And it does seem to come on the heels generally of some sort of breakup. And I, 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 there's like a bit of an unleashing. I'm wondering, like when you started, did you feel, did you feel angry at all for having sort of stifled that part of you for a long time? Or did you feel like that served a purpose in, in your life? Well, it definitely served a purpose because um, in my uh, marriage, we had really become asexual. So uh, it was interesting because we had a fairly good sex life until I got pregnant. And then once I got pregnant, it was very weird that all of a sudden we stopped having sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it actually lasted for seven years. And I know people would be surprised because that's a long time to go without sex, but it was a long, it was like, for me, what happened is I got so entangled in just raising my twins. So I ended up having twins and he was traveling a lot. So I was just doing everything myself. So I just, I didn't even notice that I wasn't having sex. And so that was almost kind of the root, like the rude awakening of, oh my God, like I feel so alone in my relationship and once we broke up, um, I did kind of go crazy because <laughs> I was like, wow, like I'm free. I'm going to do whatever I want to do and experience things I never experienced before, you know? And by the way, I'll go ahead and put it on my OnlyFans. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that's kind of what happened. Would you say like, like the majority of the 
the people who subscribe are also Christians or like mm. how does God and Christianity fit into your OnlyFans? Well, I think that the reality is, is that if there are Christians on there, they're not doing it openly. And um, I think that that's kind of the sad thing to me is that it's become such a stigma that, you know, a man can't be honest with his wife and say like, hey, I like looking at naked women. Do you want to look at them with me? You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of times it's become very much of a stigma and secretive. So I'm sure I do have Christian men, but I know I have all different types of men on there. Um, but statistically, uh, they've actually said that uh, 80% of the fans on OnlyFans do claim to be Christian. Hmm. So I think it's kind of a dichotomy because a lot of people want to, I guess, you know, judge the sex worker. Um, but they're not really judging the person that's subscribing because we definitely would not be doing this if we didn't have subscribers, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a, like, you know, <laughs> and it's not like you're soliciting, fair. you're not going out there and like fishing for people They're they come to you. Yeah. Well, and I kind of, the way I look at it is that there are some people that do have an addiction, you know, mm -hmm. and that it's not healthy, but then there's also the, the regular person that's doing it for pleasure. Like you were saying, and I kind of look at it as a bartender. Like if you are a bartender, you're going to have some people that come and they're just going to have one or two drinks and it's just pleasurable. Then you're going to have some people that come and really mm. do have a problem, but is it the bartender's like responsibility? No, in the end, it's that person's responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like th that person is regardless of whether or not I'm doing my only fans page, that guy is going to still find someone like mm. he, he's going to find another model. He's going to find porn on Pornhub. You know, it's like he's going to still find it because like you said, it's out there and it's been around since, you know, yeah. the dawn of creation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I, in terms of like the the work that you do and, and sort of like the niche that you've kind of um, slotted yourself into. Like, I know a big part of your page is like, you are, you, you're like the big titted MILF and like, yeah. and, and Christianity is like, is a part of that too. And so like, how, how much does, um, how much does like, how much does the religion play into the, like with the clients that, that are reaching out to you? Like, is there, is there. You Christian know, dirty talk. Yeah. Like, do you, do you like, or I mean, yeah, maybe, or, or do you like, do you have, do you have, um, sex toys that look like Jesus? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I many... wanted to get me one of those. I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I would do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many dildos do you own that are shaped as a cross? Yeah. Um, um, but my, my, I'm, I'm more curious about like, you know, when, cause I know a big part of OnlyFans is like, is not just the, not just the gallery that you put up of the photos and the videos, but a, a really big part of it. And especially a big part of it, if you want to find success is having this, or at least giving the illusion to the client that there is this sense of, um, uh, communication between yourself and that individual. Right. Yeah. And so like how, out of all the people that follow you, how many of them really like, like play into that religious aspect? Is there like, is there almost a, is there almost like a, a subsect of 
of kink that is yeah. that like re- religion plays a role in the the dialogue that you have with your clients or the or the you know like maybe the custom content that they are asking for yeah well I do find it does play a role but what plays even more of a role is the mommy kink you know mm, um mm. and the milf mommy kink and that's something that I just like haven't really been able to get away from not that I want to get away from it but that seems to be what most of them gravitate to mm-hmm. I think a lot of people also like kind of the good girl next door look and feel mm. um, because a lot of people love that look and then they love the idea that wow she's also like got this really naughty side and it's mm-hmm. kind of like the best of both worlds so that's probably why I appeal to a lot of people that are particularly Christian because they like the idea that I do have like this good persona, but then I've got this like really naughty side. And is that something that you, um, almost like immediately knew when you started out? Like, like, okay, this is my, this is my theme. Like, this is my, this is my target audience. Like, this is the kind of content that I'm going to put out there. Um, like, did you know that right off the bat? Or like, did you have, did you have a, um, like someone that you turned to, to be like, Hey, this is a new business for me. I don't know the, the, you know, the ins and outs of it. Um, teach me your ways. Yeah. Um, well I, I did naturally know. And I remember talking to my Instagram growth, uh, person that was helping me. And this is at the very, very beginning before I even started an OnlyFans page. And I wanted to start branding myself. And I said, I want to brand myself as a MILF. And he just started laughing. He's like, really? It's like, well, I don't know how many MILFs are out there, but let me start doing some research. And then he started looking, he's like, oh my God, this is huge. And I said, I know. <laughs> it's like, there's so many MILFs out there trying to do this. And I was like, I know. And so it's like, I, I just like knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then the whole Christian thing really was hard for me to boldly say that I was a Christian OnlyFans model because I knew that I'd get a lot of hate and Mm -hmm. I still do whenever I say that because people don't want to believe that you can be both. But this is the way I look at it. I have a lot of friends that were Christian and then started OnlyFans and actually have left the Christian faith um, because of the hate that they got. Um, they've left, you know, their Catholic faith, they've left their Christian faith. And so asking a Christian, would you rather someone leave their faith because of the judgment they got or still have their faith in the process of it? Mm. And, you know, people don't change because of judgment. They change because of love. And so you're not going to change someone by telling them they're doing something bad. Mm. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I was, I was thinking the other day about, um, so random because I, I wasn't even because of this conversation, but I was thinking about Mary Magdalene and, uh, just this, like, I'm so context, I'm in massage school and, uh, we just did, we're doing hydrotherapy. So learning about hot and cold applications of water. And the other day we did, uh, contrast baths. So it's like when you put your arms in warm water and then you put your arms in cold water. And for some reason it just brought to mind Jesus watch washing Mary Magdalene's feet. And what a scandal that must've yeah. been. And yeah. just remind me, uh, cause it's been a while. Mary Magdalene <laughs> is the, is the prostitute, right? In the, in, or 
is she was she a, a like considered a prostitute well, I some know. people say she was some people say she wasn't but mm. i think that she probably had some kind of um sexual no-no in the culture otherwise she wouldn't have been you know even labeled that yeah. you know yeah she so, might have just been promiscuous she may have promiscuous. had premarital sex right. yes okay. yes <laughs> yes um and, but I, I, the act of washing someone's feet is such an intimate thing yeah. that I, the image just, just really, just really stuck with me. And, um, and I, yeah, to speak to some of the pushback in terms of like other Christians maybe being like, well, you can't be both. Have you like, have you experienced that yourself in your, like not online, but in person with your, with your community? Um, actually, the sex work community is very, very non-judgmental. Um, that's one of the things that I've loved about them is, honestly, they don't judge what religion you are. They don't judge uh, what sexuality you are. It, they really are very inclusive, and um, I love that about them. So I haven't gotten any pushback from them. Um, I think that, obviously, I have pushback in the Christian faith and it's not everybody, but it is a lot of people. But, you know, going back to that situation of Jesus washing Mary Magdalene's feet, you know, I I, I remember that part in the Bible. And one of the things he said to the Pharisee was, she loves me more than you do. She loves me more. She She will be forgiven in the gates of heaven where you will not. And so I, I continue to remind myself of that in any situation because I have a spiritual mentor I work with and she, she says that people can be in multiple different worlds at the same time, meaning nobody's all good and nobody's all bad. So someone could be doing drugs and go to a yoga class, you know, where mm -hmm. they're they're trying to work on themselves. They're trying to, you know, better themselves, but yet there's still this part of themselves that is broken. And, and I feel like that's the truth with all of us. Like none of us are all perfect. Mm -hmm. And so we can be doing something that might not be looked at as the best thing for us in the middle of wanting to also, you know, be the best version of ourselves. Yeah, that resonates for sure. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Do you, uh, just kind of coming back to, actually, I have, sorry, I have two questions. Maybe I'll start with this one. Um, uh, the, I know that, uh, especially like it's, I mean, it seems like, especially in the last, I don't know, like five years, I'm a pretty, like, I'm a pretty like regular porn user, um, Uh and, and always really have been. And one thing that I've noticed in the last, like, at least, you know, maybe since we started doing this, even 10 years, maybe that there's been this very, um, this this trend that's that is that the, the like the incestuous kind of like trend or like soft incest trend with with things like especially and it seems like there's a big tie in between like milf porn and like milf slash like stepson yeah or like or like stepdaughter <laughs> kind of like thing going on right yeah and and I, I've always found that really fascinating like because fascinating because it's that's not something that I've ever had a like that's not the thing that, that really turns me on. It's, it's not something I've ever had interest in. Um, you know, like, but the amount of times that I've, that I've jerked off to porn, that was like, step, uh, you know, like step, <laughs> stepson st- and stepmom fuck each other. Um, it, like that just goes over my head. I'm just like, hey, it's two people fucking like, I'm, that, this is good <laughs> yeah, for me. It doesn't turn you on. No, but, but yeah. there's, but there, for a lot of people, it's re it's really, really hot. And so I'm wondering, uh, like if, as someone who who is in that realm of like milf porn um what what do you think that is like where where do you think that where do you think that like deep interest that that big um uh, uh i guess what would you call it like a uh fad or 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 kink. like yeah. yeah that kink like where where do you think where do you think that stems from that's a great question. Um, actually, my page is very much like that. I have, you know, sex with my stepson and, you know, my stepdaughter, and it is very much of a um, a kink. And I just want to p- say that because uh, people didn't see you do those air quotes. But... Oh yeah, it's a uh, it's not real. So <laughs> yeah. it's a uh, role play. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, say yeah. that on my only hands. <laughs> it's role play. I don't have a stepson. I don't have a stepdaughter. So yeah, right. I. <laughs> Oh, the illusion is broken. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I do say it's it's not it's it's role yeah, play. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because there is that fine line. I mean, I feel like number one, I think the reason it's attractive is because a lot of people like the idea of doing something that they cannot do. Yeah. So when we're doing the OnlyFans, it is a fantasy. So it's like it's a fantasy in the sense of, well, I had a stepmom and I always dreamed of mm. having sex with her, but I never did, you know? And so it's definitely one of those things that people like something that they can't have. Mm. Um, but when it comes to the MILF thing, um, that is also, I have kind of thought about it a lot and started to realize that when boys are going through puberty, the closest person to them is their mom. Mm. So they're going to start feeling those attractive feelings 
um, even though it's their mom, it's like, that's the first person that is actually like a woman that mm-hmm. is close to them. And so that's why there's a little bit of that like kink, because that's when they start going through puberty is like their mom is there with them. Mm, yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because that actually reminds me of something that was said to us by a guest that we've had on the show in the past, James Cantor, who, you know, he's, he's a sex researcher um, here in Canada and uh, he, his, all his focus in, in, in his work has, has been kind of focused on paraphilias. And one of the things that we talked to him about was um, like, how do kinks and fetishes form? And yeah. one thing that he said to me that really has stayed with me is he uses the example of like um, uh, people that are really into heels, right? Like say you have a like really high heels. high heels, like a big kink on high heels. Well, oftentimes um, in the research that they've done, they've, they've found that like these types of kinks that people have uh, form, form in a very like specific date and, and it, within their lives. And, and it's like, I'm, I'm misquoting him for sure here, but it's, it was somewhere like in the ages between like 11 and, and 14, right? So kind of to what you yeah. were saying, like that, that puberty age. Uh-huh. And, and one of the examples he used was like, you know, there's a young boy playing in the kitchen and he's under the kitchen table and he's playing with a couple of like GI Joes and he looks, he looks to his left and his mother's doing the dishes, but she's wearing these like red heels. Yeah. Um, I don't know whose fucking mom's doing dishes in red heels, but like, <laughs> let's just use that as the analogy. It's the 1950s. And so he <laughs> sees this and this image imprints on him. And, yeah. and then of course, you know, he doesn't think about that. He doesn't know that, but Growing up, all of a sudden, he's, he's got, got this thing. like deep, deep need to to see a you know to see a woman in red heels. Like that's the thing that just like amps up that that sexual tension within within him. And so it's interesting to hear you have that take on the milf thing because it it really does. It makes a lot of sense, you know. Like mm-hmm. I, I I I I can't speak to that from like a personal standpoint, but I get it. Like I get yeah. I get where that comes from. And then the other thing, like the thing that you can't have, like I, there was a teacher that I had in, in school, like, like grade school. And, and, uh-huh. and she specifically was a, a substitute teacher and she yeah. was very, very attractive. And I think like from that day forward, like I had, a, I, there's, I love the idea of like teacher, student, teacher. Yeah. 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 Like that was something yeah. that, that just like stuck with me <laughs> and it makes sense. And it's I, all, it's all in the same realm. You know, it's like that thing where it's like, oh, this is the thing that. I know I, I, I is, I know is quote unquote wrong, or I know yeah. that I can't, I'm, I'm not supposed to do this. This is not the societal norm. And, and that's really hot. Yeah, exactly. Cause the teacher student thing is also kind of big on my page as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that th- authority figure that's hot and that you'd love to have this like intimate relationship with, but you can't mm. like, that is a, an ultimate fantasy for so many people. Um, but that's what keeps it exciting is the fantasy because mm-hmm. it's almost like if you actually did it, it would like burst the bubble, you know, it'd probably be disappointing. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, right. And right. then it wouldn't be exciting at all anymore. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in, in that, the, uh, having said that, then I'm something I'm curious about is, uh, do you have any, do you have any like sort of branding tips that you would give to someone who is who is considering starting an OnlyFans, you know, like say, say it's someone who's like, I don't know, like someone who's 28 years old, very attractive. 
Um, but they don't really have, you know, they don't have, they don't really have anything like you, you have a very like obvious, like, all right, this is obvious. Like you fit yeah. into that, like that MILF mold, like it's perfect. You've got the religion thing. Like there's all these things, but someone who's like, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a 28 year old, um, uh, like bank teller and, uh, I've got it. I've got a hot body and I just want to like, I want to put myself out there and, and try to like make a go at OnlyFans. Do you, do you suggest for people who are starting out to like create, create a, a theme or, or come character. into it with some sort of character that you're going to like develop or, or is it more so just like put yourself out there, do it. And, and maybe through that process, you'll start to develop and learn like the things that really kind of work for you or any kind of tips. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is actually, I find a little harder, younger to brand yourself mm. because you are competing against a larger pool of people. Mm. So what I was going to say is um, we actually really do need more women over 40, you know, doing this because there's not that many. Um, a lot of people do sex work, you know, maybe in their 20s, mid 30s, and then they kind of do it to kind of set themselves up for something else. Mm. Um, so that's the first thing I would say is if you're over 40 and you're listening to this or even over 35, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a great time to mm -hmm. get started. Um, but then for the younger crowd, uh, really you're gonna have to just figure it out because um, there's a lot of different things that you can do to make it interesting. And the most important thing is, is think about what turns you on. Like, is this something that mm. turns you on? Because if it's something that turns you on, it probably will turn somebody else on. And you really can have any type of body. You can have any type of genre, you know, any type of look and be successful. Um, you don't have to be a certain body type. And, and sometimes that's more appealing because sometimes the guys don't want the perfect body. They want the natural, like, mm. you know, the natural look. And so really it, there's a place for everybody. I like that. I like the like, auth like find, be authentic. Like that yeah. is, and I think that is. Well, it seems like the easiest thing to do. The yeah. least amount of pressure. Right. To like be yourself. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know about like the easiest thing to do because I think, I think I could be wrong, but I feel like, I feel like some people starting out, um, it might be a bit of a hurdle to, to not get it, not fall into the trap of, of trying to, and, and like, we see this in casual sex, right? You hook up with someone for the first time. And I think, I think, you know, anyone who's like had uh, a fair amount of like casual sex has experienced this where you hook up with someone and that person is almost like doing this performative thing that they think is the thing that you want. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's hard to connect with. Like that isn't the thing that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I guess I am speaking from a re really personal space here, but like that isn't the thing that turns me on. What turns me on is, is someone just being their whole self and, and showing up exactly who they are and, and confident in who they are and, and, you know, okay with telling me the things that they want, the things that they need. And I think that for someone starting on OnlyFans, it could be very easy to fall into the trap of going, all right, well, I guess I'm going to like, do the thing that I think these people want when yeah. really the thing that you, the thing that you want is not that. And, and 
the thing that makes you feel hot and the things that, that turn you on are sort of like pushed to the side. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I guess I'm just thinking, you know, in terms of, let's say, so I'll say from a, pr- a personal experience, like let's say I'm contemplating on getting onto OnlyFans, my head would be spinning. I'd be like, okay, I need a wardrobe. I need a photographer and I need to know how I need to know the role I'm going to play. And I think I would fit into that boat of folks who are like, I'm kind of hoping I can just start and that my audience will tell me yeah. what they mm-hmm. want from me yeah. um, rather than like knowing what my type is. Cause also for background, Jeremy and I both went to acting school yeah. and oh. I always felt like I, I don't know what my type, like what will I get cast as? Right. Sure. Like, yeah, and, sure. and unfortunately yeah. when you go to, act, you, you know, you want to be like, I'm, a chameleon. I can do anything, but you know, in the world you're we not. live in, you're going to get cast yeah, yeah. by your type yeah. and you're, it's very narrow, but I could never really identify what my type would be. And something mm-hmm. that I've thought about a couple of times in this conversation, Nita, is that, uh, you kind of have to have some maybe unofficially loose improv skills yeah. to mm-hmm. do this. Well, yeah, totally. Definitely. Well, I also um, did some acting and I do feel like I have some background with entertainment, even though I never really made money with it. I have experience with it. And so I would absolutely agree with that, that sometimes you start doing it and then you kind of figure it out. And a guy might say, oh my God, I'm so turned on by your small boobs. You know what I mean? And you'll think, Oh, I never really thought about my boobs. And then you start looking at them and you're like, well, they are kind of cute. Like my nipples Mm. are kind of cute. And then you start to think, well, this actually could be something I play up on, you know, Mm -hmm. because you start to notice a trend on the people that are attracted to you, Mm. you know, and then, Mm -hmm. and then that's what you start to play on. And it's interesting because, you know, I have big boobs. These are natural. Um, They're not like, I didn't get, get implants or whatever. Um, and for me, when I started modeling, I had a friend that was kind of trying to do more of the runway modeling. Mm -hmm. And she was kind of telling me like, you need to do more like runway type stuff. Otherwise you're going to get cast into being more of like a sexual type model. And then I started thinking, I was like, honestly, that's who I am. Like Mm. anytime I get on stage and I'm wearing a dress, people are going to look at my boobs. Mm. I'm like, so why not just make money off of that? Like, this is who I am. I'm not going to try to be a runway model. I'm not thin enough. I don't want to be thin enough to do it. It just, you know, so I kind of feel like you do start to figure out yourself and it is a process, but allow the fans to tell you as well. Like if Mm. someone wanted to start an OnlyFans page, I say, start with an Instagram, like start with an Instagram. That's how I started. It was on Facebook. There weren't any nude photos. It was just on Facebook. And I started to see a trend of what the guys liked and Mm. why they were being attracted to me. So I think that would be a great place to start. Mm. That's a good idea. Well, Nina, I got, I got to say, this is uh, the, you are such a lovely guest and this is, this has been such a treat to get a bit of insight into the work that you do and, and where it all began yeah. Um, thank you for that. And, and I, please let our listeners know if they're curious about the work that you do, like how can people find you? How can people subscribe? How can people be a part of your world? Yes. Well, my only fans is actually only fans, mama Nita. 
So that's my name on OnlyFans is Mama Nita. And then um, my Instagram is Mama Nita Marie. Um, so you can find me on either ones of those. And uh, I also have a Twitter, uh, MILF Queen underscore underscore. Amazing. Or actually just one underscore, sorry. MILF Queen underscore. There are a lot of fake accounts of, of me. So I just want to make sure you guys know I have over 86 fake Instagram accounts. Oh my God. What the <laughs> fuck? It's a little insane. It's so I, crazy. Yeah, it's really bad. So if someone tries to find me under just Nita Marie, you're going to see 5 million fake accounts. So yeah. make okay. sure you look Mama Nita Marie is my Instagram. Okay. Yeah, and I'm yeah. trying to get verified, but I'm not yet. So yeah. So uh, yeah. And uh, like a quick Google search of Nita Marie Twitter. Uh, it's the very top thing that comes up. Um, I, I brought it up while we were having the recording here. So uh, is it Nita the right one, though? Because yeah. I have fake Twitters, too. No. Well, I'm, I'm pretty one sure underscore. I'm pretty sure it is the right one. Milf okay, um, not one underscore. Uh, queen one underscore. OK. Yeah. Mama Mama Milf Queen underscore. Yeah. That's, no, uh, it's no. Milf Queen. Sorry. Oh, Milf Queen. Oh, my God. Wow. You. Wow. Holy fuck. I told you this. <laughs> and like no, hold on i just want to say that account has oh i, I found it, the real one a, i found is the it real a photo one of nita oh it's oh my god oh my god nita this is fucking crazy you're fake one of your fake accounts has i i clicked on it, i was like yeah it's like 20 fucking 1000 followers like that's yeah. gotta be it holy shit that you was need the wrong some one. cyber security Yo. detail working for you. Folks, listen up. Listen up. MILF Queen underscore on Twitter <laughs> is the real one. And you're at over half a million followers. It's yes. Crazy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like we're coming to time here, but yeah. what's the fucking deal with the fake accounts? Is it is it like a money grab? Like, are they yeah. starting fake OnlyFans accounts? God damn. Dude. Unfortunately, they can't start fake OnlyFans accounts. Well, they can kind of. It's a lot harder. But what they do is they make these fake accounts and then they pretend to be me and then they get money from the guys because wow. they say, oh, tip me $20. I'm going live. I'll send you a link um, after you send me money. And then right, they send right. them money and then they block them. So it's wow. really sad because. I would probably have over 2 million Instagram followers if I yeah. didn't keep getting my Instagrams deleted. I've had like 15 Instagram accounts deleted. Yeah. Oh my God. And so every time my account's deleted, someone <clears throat> goes and follows a fake account and then possibly gets scammed or whatever. So I really am trying to get verified because at least people will know like this is the real me, you know. Yeah. So I probably need to try to do that with Twitter too. Unbelievable. That yeah. I, that blows my mind. I, I, and I and like I I tout myself as like a I'm I'm savvy. Yeah. I don't I don't give I don't get fucked around on the internet. Like I'm pretty good. <laughs> but I just I you just got, got I just got duped. You heard it here. Turn me <laughs> on fans. <laughs> well, Nita, uh, again, this has just been such a delight. Thank you so awesome. much for taking time out of your schedule to hang out with us. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everybody. Hello. Um, how about that chat with uh, Nita? Yeah, I think I have a, like, I I have a type for sure when it comes to women, and that would be, that's, that's totally it? my, yeah, totally. Huh. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
just really like, like, I don't know, bright eyed and bushy tailed. It's the only way I can like really, and like sincere. She is. Uh, yeah. What is bushy tailed? Um, I don't know. What does that I, mean? Bright eyed and bushy tailed. You've never heard that before? Uh, no, I have. But I've never really thought about the bushy-tailed part. She's <laughs> definitely bright-eyed. Uh, and and I would guess she is bushy-tailed, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, it means alert and lively or eager, but it must have it must, must be based to do on with, like, some rabbits? type of squirrel or rabbit. No, it's uh, squirrels. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Supposedly bright-eyed supposedly comes from the late 1500s. While bushy-tailed is said to have hailed from 1865 to 1870, a very specific five-year <laughs> period, but uh, no, no. Uh, oh yeah, it's squirrel to see the wild pigeon. Chew- oh wait, sorry, pop up. Uh, to see the wild pigeon, chewink, fox sparrow, bobolink, scarlet tanager, the bright-eyed and bushy-tailed squirrel, the graceful motion of water birds. Do squirrels have bright eyes? I think they do because I don't do any drugs. The only, uh, people, the only things that don't have bright eyes are, are people who are on drugs or <laughs> are animals who are on drugs. All I can think of is like my eyes when I'm stoned. I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when I'm on acid. Are you? Totally. Yeah, you know what? I, I haven't done acid, but when I have seen you on acid and you are very wide-eyed. Yeah. And like a, <laughs> I'm like a five-year-old kid. Yeah. In a candy store everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of sweet. Yeah. It might be time for me to do some drugs. Oh, it is fucking time for me to right now. Is it? Yeah, I need someone to trips at me. Do you want me to do it? I'm not. I've if, never, if you would uh, like to. Well, I've never. I you don't know to what be, to expect. Well, I mean, it's basically a babysitting shift. Okay. It's like a 10 hour babysitting suit shift. They're really just like. Overnight? Do I have to stay awake all night? No. Could be during the day. Oh, I never do acid at night. Okay. It's a daytime drug. Oh, yeah, yeah. You drop acid at like 10 a.m. Okay. And it's then so what kind of it takes so long. It's such a long thing. You do it at night. It's like, well, there goes your fuck. There goes your sleep for the <laughs> night. Um, what, what kind of activities would we do? I don't know. I'd probably get you to like drive me to um, like a beach maybe or like go to a candy store. Um, so I could take my four-year-old nephew and we would all just enjoy the same activities. Uh, I, <laughs> there is, I'm not joking. There is nothing more amazing than hanging out with a kid yeah, while I you're on imagine. LSD. I could imagine. It is because, I mean, I was actually, I was, on a, I was on a date the other night and had this exact conversation talking about LSD. You, 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 you revert to a child, like you become a child again. You see the world through the lens of a five-year-old. That is literally what LSD is like. Okay. All these people that are like, oh, I'm scared to do acid. I don't want to see like dragons popping out. No, that's not it. Like it's <laughs> literally, you literally just become a child. Everything is, everything you see is like through the lens of like childhood wonder. Yeah. But if you didn't have a good childhood, that might not be so wonderful. Um. Well, I mean. You know, uh, a lot of people felt really powerless as a child. Yeah, but 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 uh, well, okay. So so maybe maybe that might happen. But it it's um it's not it's not like oh you all of a sudden you are reverted to your childhood. That's not what's <laughs> happening. Oh, <okay. laughs> it's not really? that. No 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 no. Oh okay. No no. 
I just really set want and setting. to have- you, you set you have a good set and good setting and yeah. you know you're in a positive a- attitude you're setting yourself up for success and you're just going to be a child just a childlike kid that is curious about everything and chatty and giggly and you know whatever you might have some like weird mental things that pop up during the trip, but that's what a trip sitter is there to do. I mean, like you, you kind of tri- you were trip sitting me a little bit on my birthday when I was like, "Oh, everyone hates me." I did ask on a Wednesday, and I'm supposed to be working. <laughs> it was your birthday. It was like T- Taylor hates me. Yeah, and you were like, "No, he doesn't." And I was you like, know oh, "Okay, yeah, right. no. I'm, I'm okay." A world in which you can't do acid on a Wednesday is a world that I don't want to live in. Definitely these days too. Yeah. Well, I've just been. I should think feeling like I should be doing some drugs because I I've I've been feeling like. A little bit of that, um, this has come and gone quite a bit over the last two years, but this sense that I am visiting this world hmm. and that that from another time, whether in the past, mostly a feeling of being of, of just being like, wow, we went from, you know, uh, it's the same old spiel I always say, but it, we went from like living with our our whole community and all of our family to this so quickly. Yeah. And I don't think I'm cut out for it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well drug, drugs might help with that. Yeah, but now if I set the intention that when I drop acid and I revert to a childlike my childlike a childlike state, could I be like I'm also when I'm there going to resolve some issues? No. I look, you could, yeah, yeah, you definitely could. I don't want like I don't want to conflate the idea of like taking drug. Like, look, I do I do psychedelics for, uh, it's twofold. It's typically for fun mm-hmm. and mostly for fun. Yeah, seventy like percent fun. Yeah, thirty percent like therapeutic. Yeah, some some therapeutic stuff needed. Okay, but do not do not get it wrong. Uh, that's not what psychedelics do. The therapeutic thing, really, like if you want to get uh, some sort of like psychological benefit from that and like for real to like really work out some hardcore shit, mm-hmm. that has to be done with a, with a, like a, a psychologist. That has to be done with a trained psychologist who knows how to work with someone who's on a psychedelic. Mm. The drug itself doesn't do the thing. I mean, we were having this conversation the other day on Sick Boy. We were talking about MDMA with a woman who actually lead, co-leads studies. She's a psychologist. Okay. And the thing that I said in that conversation was like, people have this, I think people approach psychedelics sometimes mistakenly from the same kind of way that you would approach like taking an Advil. You know, you have a bad back, you take the Advil, it fixes the bad back. Well, you know, no, if you have, if you have a, yeah. if you have a problem and you and you're like i'm going to take the mush i'm going to take some psilocybin to fix the problem that's not how it works the, yeah. it is a tool that can help you mm-hmm. fix a problem but mm-hmm. it's not like other drugs where it targets the thing that you're actually shooting for and and does and solves the problem mm-hmm. the problem solving comes through through relearning introspection and reflection before during and after the entire experience and sometimes it doesn't Sometimes you're so fucking high, you forgot that you took it to like work on a thing, right? Because you're just you're too caught up in like you know whatever the, the music dragons. you're listening to. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the scary monsters coming out of the wall. Um, 
yeah, but yeah, I could definitely use uh I could definitely use a little I mean we're we're not gonna get into this, but we were talking before we started recording, but like I'm really I'm having a really hard time with my my I'm spending a lot of time alone mm-hmm. now that I'm quote unquote single. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm having a really hard time with my thoughts when I'm alone. Okay. And like not intrusive thoughts or like stuff like that, but like, th- like, I mean, I'll just come in and say it. Like, I can't stop thinking about the breakup that I went through mm-hmm. and it's driving me fucking mad. Mm-hmm. And I find myself going into that and, go- and then like literally stopping and going, why are you thinking about this? You, you need to shut your brain up. Like mm-hmm. you need to, like whatever that voice is, you need to shut up, dude. And it's really hard. It's fucking hard to have some goddamn self-control over your thoughts. Yeah. It's just like, it's so debilitating sometimes. It's you, bumming me out. You want to, you want to like get back into meditating together? I should. Yeah. That'd be good. I mean, every time, cause I've been on a similar, like not obviously about your breakup, but I have been on some cyclical, thinking lately that every time I notice I'm doing it, I'm like, this is not the way to this. this, I'm just like totally, um, this is not the way to lead a happy life, you know, to just like cycle around in and mire in a thought or a series of thoughts that, and I'm I'm not trying to be like only, you know, good vibes only or, only positive, you know, happy, happy, happy. But <clears throat> I also know that the only one who can change that experience for myself is myself. Yeah. And I know I have the tools to do it. And it's not fast is the only thing. It's like, but if I can't, if we're sitting here talking about how <clears throat> in, uh, um, inaccessible, uh, therapy is yeah it seems like well this is something i can do and it's 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 not it's not the same but it it could just couldn't ha- couldn't hurt to yeah. s- start sitting again yeah it's it's funny because like i find so i'm going to the gym three days a week yeah and the days that i work the days that i work out mm-hmm. are the days where i don't go into that like mm-hmm. thought spiral but I'm only going three days a week. And so the days that I'm not fucking pumping iron and getting jacked up ready for the summer to show off this hot bod, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, those are the days where I do get swallowed up in it. And, and it's interesting because there was a day the other day where I, were, I, went, to, I went to the gym, worked out, and I've got this trainer. And I, like I worked out, I was feeling really strong. And so I was like, I'm going to push myself. And my trainer was like, uh, okay, like, yeah, yeah, do it. But, but also like be really mindful cause you're, you know, you're still starting out. So don't like fucking hurt yourself. And I was like, I'm not going to yeah. hurt myself, but I'm going to like kind of test myself. And, um, and I worked really hard and man, I was dead. Like the next day I was the next day, actually when I was over, my trainer was like, his name's Nathan. Nathan was like, uh, dude, you fucking killed it today. I was like, yeah, I feel like I feel strong. Mm-hmm. I was like, but I also, I feel like I just beat the fuck out of my body. And like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in rough shape for the next couple of days. And he's like, well, you like, you actually have two days off, which is good. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to come in until Monday. This is t- that's today. Yeah. I'm going after this. 
And the next day, so Saturday, I was like walking up to the studio here to do some work. And I was like, oh my God, my body's killing me. Like I'm fucked. And I started having that spiral thought. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to go to the gym today. I, like I got to go to the gym today. So I don't have another, like I don't have another day where I'm doing this fucking thing again. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I went, oh no, but I can't. I actually can't go to the gym today because if I do, it's going to be bad physically. Like I could actually overdo it. But I can't do that. But I, I, I thought about like, wow, wow, that's really interesting. I can see how like people get actually fully addicted to working out. Mm-hmm. Like potentially like a ba- in a bad way mm-hmm. because it's the one thing that keeps them from being alone with their thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Alone with their thoughts. (sighs) Well, maybe there's a way, I mean, what would your trainer say if, you know, if yesterday you had, hadn't gone to the gym, but like, do you think you could ever, you know, do a yoga class? Like not. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Do that. Yeah. Cause I don't know. It's been a long time. Well, since my birthday that, we went to a class together, but yeah, you know, I've been practicing moto online and every now and then I'll just do 25 minutes. So yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And which I could do that, but there's some, like I would way rather go to the gym and lift weights yeah. than do a class. Cause yeah. I, I, I'm really, really liking it. Like I really like the activity of it. Mm-hmm. I like how hard it is. I like, I like, I just, I, I like the feeling of like, like, it's almost like masochistic. Like, I like the feeling of being like, holy shit. I just. Well, that's great for you because oh, you great. identify so, as a lazy so, person. I am so lazy. Yeah. This is like, this is the first in years, <laughs> years, 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 years. I, I mean, this is the first time since, I mean, you know, when I took, when I was on Tricapta, when I started Tricapta and I did my lung function test, they were like, your lung function is the highest it's been in seven years. This is the first time like in seven years. Yeah. That I've been in this mode of going, I want to, I want to like physically exert myself and push my limits. That's amazing. So it's been almost a decade since I've been like this. Yeah. So it is great. But also I got to be, uh, I think I have to like really approach it uh, mindfully so that I don't, I don't, I just don't overdo it. Yeah. You don't want to hurt yourself because you're not good when you're hurt. No. This is actually, this actually kind of leads into an article that I found for today. All right. Are you ready to go yeah. there? Okay, so this is an article that I came across today by our friend, Justin Laymiller. Um, and it's called, When Strong Emotions Are Mistaken for Sexual Attraction. So hear me out here. Mm. Or hear him out. A lot of reality dating shows share the same premise. One contestant goes on a series of brief dates, each with an attractive stranger, and then decides who he or she would like to continue seeing off screen. I've seen more than my fair share of these shows in my day, all for research purposes, of course, and have found that I'm pretty good at figuring out who the contestant is going to select by paying attention to just one thing. How physiologically arousing were the activities that took place during the mini dates? Did they do something active and exciting or did they just sit around? Why do I focus on this? Because a large body of psychological research has found that when people are highly aroused and interact with a stranger of their desired sex, the odds of attraction increase. Sorry, can you say that last sentence again? A large body of psychological research has found, sorry, 
psychological research has found that when people are highly aroused and interact with a stranger of their desired sex, the odds of attraction increase. Okay. Okay. In a classical demonstration of this idea, originally published in the 1970s, an attractive female research assistant approached men who happened to be walking across one of two bridges in Canada, a very high and unstable suspension bridge, an anxiety-inducing experience, or a bridge that was stable, close to the ground, and not scary at all. In the middle of the bridge, the men were asked to fill out a survey, which included writing a short narrative about a picture. Upon completion, the woman provided each man with her phone number and asked him to give her a call later that night if he wanted to talk further. It turned out Whoa. that the men who walked across the shaky bridge... So, so hold on. These were guys that, that didn't know what they were in for? They, they just happened to be crossing this rickety-ass bridge I, or no, a stable bridge? Or I, they were like, we're going to do a, a thing? I would imagine in the spirit of informed consent, they knew they were participating oh. in some sort of prog- okay. some sort of research, okay. but yeah. probably didn't know what it was about. Okay, okay. It turned out that the men who walked across the shaky bridge not only included more sexual content in the stories they wrote, but they were also significantly more likely to call the woman compared to the man who had walked across the stable bridge. Holy shit. Numerous studies have found similar effects with different methods. For instance, in another study, male participants were asked to run in place for either a few minutes or a few seconds. Afterward, they rated their degree of sexual and romantic attraction toward a female college student they observed in a video. The researchers found that the men who exercised longer were more attracted to the woman than the men who did not get their blood pumping as much. Wow. This effect isn't limited to men either. For example, in one study, female participants were either led to believe that their heart rate was elevated or not by researchers who provided false feedback from a heart rate monitor. Following this, the women were told that a male interviewer had either given them a positive, negative, or neutral evaluation. The aroused women who received positive feedback were significantly more likely to return for a second interview than the non-aroused women who received the same feedback. How do we explain these effects? I, I Before you go into how to explain, I think we should just, just, just as like a quick primer, mm-hmm. the term arousal, mm-hmm. the word arouse, yeah. in this context, isn't being used as in like aroused, like my nipples are hard, my dick's hard. <laughs> no, not Ar- sexually aroused. No, no, aroused as in like, like, um, uh, uh, like like a sympathetic nervous response. So like mm. like you know the state of arousal being like fight or flight or you know like your your nervous system is a little bit more ramped up. Yeah, to stimulate to action, so you have a, a bodily readiness for activity. When I go to the gym tonight, when I'm done, I'm going to be highly aroused. Exactly, yeah. your body will be in an aroused state. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. He goes on to say, how do we explain these effects? What psychologists think is going on is that people are misattributing their physiological arousal to the person instead of the situation. Hmm. That is when there are competing explanations for strong feelings of arousal. Specifically, you aren't sure if your heart is pounding because you just exercised or because you just met someone who's really sexy. People seem to err on the side of attributing their arousal to the new person instead of the situation. Oh, my God. 
Bottom line, when you meet someone new and you're already feeling aroused, it's quite possible that you might unknowingly end up seeing them as more attractive than you otherwise would because you've mistaken them as the true source of your arousal. Okay. So uh, right up until you read that last sentence, I was hearing you read this and I was going, oh my God, this is going to change. Like my ideal date is, is just like the most basic ass fucking ideal date, which is like, hey, let's go have a cocktail and share dinner or like, let's go. Like share one plate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Share one plate. Uh, divide it perfectly even. <laughs> And we both split the bill right down the middle. <laughs> uh, or, you know, or like, let's go play pool or like, let's go watch some like mm. music at jazz night at the local or something. Yeah. You better get them up dancing. Well, that's now I'm going, fuck all that. Like, let's like, I'm, I'm going to be like, yo, let, do you want to go? Do you want to go Sprint Hills? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go like, yeah. Or like, or, you know, go walk, like go for a walk on the go beach or something. Go for a right? walk. Yes. Um, um, but, but, but now, but then the, the but the, the last sentence there, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm also now going, oh, but that's, does that set you up for failure? Because are you then, are you then, uh, confusing yourself or is the other person going to be confused thinking that it's kind of like that thing where like you see some at the bar and you're kind of tipsy and you think they're cute. And so you go home with them and then the next morning you wake up and you're like, oh, what did I do? Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking straight. I was fucking intoxicated. I slept with this person and now I'm fully regretting it because they are a gargoyle and <laughs> I need to walk home. You know, like, yeah. is it like, so is it a bad thing or is it a, or, or is it a good thing to like get yourself aroused on a date with the, with the hope that the arousal stimulates an attraction between the two of you so that things go well? Or is it a bad thing because you might end up kind of disappointing yourself in, because the wires are crossed and you were confused and I it was mean, actually just because you, you walked, you, you walked, you got your heart rate up. Yeah. I mean, it's two sound, it's two sides to the same coin. Like it, it depends. You're the person yeah. you're on the date with is, might be more attracted to you if you take them for a hike yeah rather than take them for dinner but when the honeymoon period wears off and you don't take them on hikes anymore and you just sit around and yeah do whatever are they going to be massively disappointed that mm. that uh you're not that but that's what we want you know like i'm thinking i'm i'm, I'm trying to date now right mm -hmm. i'm trying to do that now and but what i want what did in i tell you when you went on your first date after your breakup? Uh, well, I don't know, you probably told me some bullshit about like, don't fucking fall in love. And then, you know. I said, don't be the best version of yourself. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did say that. Uh, you know what? I also, I think that's <laughs> bullshit too. I don't know. I, I feel like. Why I'm... not be the best version of yourself? We should all strive to be the best version of, of ourselves because here's my, here is my, here is what I think about that. Be, we, because. If we are the best versions of ourselves, then that person sees that side of you. And the best version of ourselves isn't like a rare thing, at least, you know, maybe it is for some of us. I don't think it is for me. I think the best version of me is a version of me that peeks its little head out several times a week. And so if my, the best version of me 
is the me that the person that I'm on a date with goes, wow, I am totally smitten with how this person thinks and how they speak and how they interact. Then that's going to, I'm going to pick up on those signals. It's going to, when someone's attracted to me, it increases my attraction to them. Mm-hmm. And it's this domino effect that's like, okay, we're like, it, this is going good. This is a good thing. We're going in a good direction here. Um, or am I just so egotistical that I'm not, I fail to realize that like the worst version of myself <laughs> is so fucking bad that it's, I'm not even tolerable mm. when I'm, when I'm there. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like to think of like, Hey, I mean, I'm not dating, but Hey, this is me. I don't wear makeup and I never brush my hair. And, uh, this is what you're signing up for. And then like, like, you know, a year, two years into a relationship, you know, they're like, man, I didn't know when we met, but every so often, maybe not three times a week, but pretty often this really awesome version of Bridie shows up and it's pleasantly surprising. Yeah. As opposed to pleasantly disappointing uh, because I know I'm bad at my worst. Well, okay. So what I, the way I feel about it is like, I, say I go on a date and I really like this person, this version of this person. That makes me excited to see them at their worst. No, it does. Nobody wants to see anybody at their worst. Not their worst, not their worst, but, (laughs) but you know, like it makes me excited to be like, Oh cool. Like I wonder what it'll be like when we fight. Yeah. Or like, (laughs) yeah, yes. Yeah. I like fighting with you. We've had some, we've fought over the 10 years we've been together. Oh yes, we have. And I have fought with other partners. And when I think about fighting with those other partners versus fights we've had, Mm -hmm. fighting with you is not that bad. Mm -hmm. Fighting with you is kind of a joyous thing. (laughs) No, it's not. It comes around. No, those fights, it comes around. If you have a fight with someone and it doesn't fucking come around and then you fight again and it still doesn't come around. Yeah. That's a, that's fucking bad. Yeah. That's what, that's that that's a that's a that's one of those things that will fuck you up for years. Whereas fighting with you, it always comes around, and when it comes around, it's better than it was before, <laughs> right? You're better off for it. Yeah. So I I disagree with this with this sentiment. I think that seeing people at their best gives you a, it gives you a baseline of like, all right, this is the best that it can be. If the best mm. that it can be is fucking making you feel like your heart is singing and you want to bust out into a fucking musical dance on your way home. Yeah. Then hell yeah. I just picturing you swinging from lampposts singing. uh, I've been there. Yeah. I mean that, that I've been there. I I mean, I, I had a date the other night or the other day. I hung out with this person for 13 hours. (laughs) It was so nice. Mm -hmm. I had such a lovely time. And I'm pretty sure they were showing up as the best version of themselves. Yeah. And I was really, I did not, and I thought about what you had said, and I did not think at all, like, ah, well, that's too bad. <laughs> they were the best version of themselves. That's too bad. I, I don't want to like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is good. This is nice. I, like, I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, and I was on. I was on one. Were you on? I was hot. <laughs> not Not physically, but like. How? On a, okay, let's say scale of 
Okay, how can I put this? I want to know how close together your best and your worst are. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like, like how much how sca- distance is, your... is between the two? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think me at my worst is pretty bad. Yeah. When do you feel like you've been at your worst that I would have seen? Um, In a hospital bed after yeah, like coughing up blood. I, I guess I mean more like relationship worst. Uh... Well, uh, that maybe day like, you were coughing up blood in the, when I was trying to shovel the driveway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was me at my physical worst. That was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Um probably like when like times where I'm where I'm going through like depression. That's probably me at my worst. Mm-hmm. Circa 2014. Right before Sick Boy. Yeah, like 2015. Yeah. 14, 15. Like that was that was me for sure at my worst. That wasn't that was bad, but it was okay. We made it through that. Yeah. It was bad for me. I don't think it was I mean, it probably it was wasn't, it wasn't not great for, good for me. It was not great for you. I but but I don't think I mean maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think I was putting a lot of that on you. I you, kinda keep that shit on on me and it's hard for anyone around me. But I don't like I don't lash out. No, you didn't lash out, but there's something here's here's something that crosses my mind so regularly. And it has to do with that thing we talked about on the show a while back. Um uh, bid bids for bids for yes. affection. Yeah, yeah. How, it's really hard. So living with you at that time was was hard because I wasn't getting any response. Yeah, you know, you weren't lashing out, but also but I was I, mu- I was like muted. You were muted to everything, and yeah. I, I don't know if you feel it as strongly as I do. But when I'm home with someone that I you know that I live with and. I say something and there's no response. Yeah. It just it's makes me, bad. it yeah, just no. makes me feel like, no, you're right. I would much rather just be in this space alone. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Than alone with now the person who's I, not talking now to Now that me. I think about that. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a not a good thing. And I've feeling. gone through that. You have. Yeah. It's not good. You know, it's not it's good. It's lonely. It is lonely. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Your, that's your worst. I wonder what my I th- worst is. I think is. that's my worst. Can you met what's my worst? Um, I don't know. When you're on your period. <laughs> Just that's it. <laughs> uh, I'm joking, folks. <laughs> Do you know what I've okay? So I just passed my year anniversary of tracking my periods on a chart. Oh yeah. Which is pretty like it's a hard habit because it takes so the fertility method? Yeah. Yeah, right. It takes about two minutes a day. And I think a habit that takes two minutes a day is almost certainly harder than developing a habit that takes 10 minutes a day because it's such a small amount of time. You're always just like, like, I'll get to it at some point and I'll just do it. But it doesn't command enough of your attention to be like, all right, now this is the ritual of sitting down to do this thing. Anyway, so it's I I'm I'm pretty proud of it. it. Not all months have been I haven't been as detailed in my tracking, but I have been I have been paying attention to particularly how long my cycles are. So at the you know I don't know if you recall from our conversation um, with Lisa Hendricks, Hendricks and Jack, who wrote the Fifth Vital Sign, who ha- wrote the workbook that I use, mm-hmm. Fertility Friday. Um, but she, um. Yeah, so 
generally speaking, we're all told in our sex ed classes that a, a period lasts, uh, like a cycle lasts, lasts 28 days. And that's, that's actually the average. <clears throat> a, like, in quotation, normal, like, healthy period can be anywhere from, like, 25 to 35 days, something like that. And it can doesn't have to be consistent month to month to be considered healthy and normal. It can, it, it, you know, I might be 27 days one month and then 28 the next month. I might be 32 the next month. You're talking about the 36. amount of days in between? Yeah, so the day one of your cycle is the day you start bleeding. And then day 28 is the last day of before you start bleeding again. Oh, I see. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've been following for a year. Um, just a year ago, I got my diagnosis of, of eczema that was like, had, you know, was, had started bothering me in January of last year of 2021 and was part of the reason I was like, okay, I'm going to start tracking my periods. Cause I feel like there's, you know, my period didn't come when my eczema came and all this kind mm. of like stuff. And I was like, I got to start tracking this, this vital sign so that I can deal with my health. And so this month comes along. So I've been at like thinking I've been like a pretty regular 27, 28 days. This month comes along. My period's not showing up. My period's not showing up. It's like, there's no chance I'm pregnant. There's no, I'm not, maybe I'm stressed, but anyway. How do you know there's no chance you're pregnant? Just not possible. Okay. Yeah. And so, so the, it came around like day, day 31 or something like that. And I scrolled back to the beginning of my, my notebook and in April of last year, I had like a 31 day cycle. And so I started thinking like, Ooh. I wonder if I keep paying Ooh. attention to this. If like, <clears throat> I'm, you know, I kind of have my own, like. It if, has to do, I bet you it has to do with mercury, mercury and I retrograde. It, mm -hmm, absolutely. But it might not, but it definitely, <laughs> fuck y'all if you don't want to <laughs> give this a little nod, but you know. Who do you think, I read this thing the other day, something about like the calendar, like who would have ever thought to. Mark 365 days to be a year. Like 30 days to be a month. Right. Who's keep, who, wh why would we start keeping track of. Well, I think it has to do with the amount of time it takes us to go all the way around the sun. Yeah. And but, then you break that down. But is there any. Over 12 it, months. Any, co any coincidence. Over that and the... Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Cycle? Uh, no, I, who knows? Is it not just the planets, but in, in my body? I am the planets, right? Stardust and planets and all of that kind of stuff. I'm, just, I'm mm. made of the same shit. I'm just orbiting the sun as well. Sure, yeah. And then my ovaries are orbiting my uterus or my eggs are orbiting the little funnel that you think shoots them down we the would know that by now though that like once no, a because year they burned everyone all has the witches. a 31 oh yeah right right you gotta watch hellbender okay what's that it's a movie on shutter okay which we i have it's on my apple tv so you can watch it hellbender hellbender okay <clears throat> it's a witchcraft movie okay short little uh show short um feature length um uh, like z zero, really low budget DIY film made by this family. So cute. About two witches. Um, some of the cinematography pretty janky. 
Okay. Um, it was weird. It, it felt like there was like three cinematographers. All the witch stuff, I was like, this is, this looks sick. But then all the like muggle stuff, like mm-hmm. shots with just like regular people, there's like weird kind of like, uh, I don't know, like cheap. not a creative choice. Just no, no. It was like it was like it was like a mix of like directing, editing, and cinematography, where you're like, oh, that was a weird camera shot, okay. and like weird that you did it like this, and. Anyway, whatever. But essentially, it's about a mom and a daughter that live like in the woods on a mountain. And the mom and she's homeschooled and the mom doesn't want her to be interacting with anyone outside of the two of them. Mm-hmm. And she tells her daughter she's really sick, so mm-hmm. she can't. And the daughter, it's like a coming of age tale. The daughter's kind of like getting to the point where she kind of wants to like have friends and and be social. And but but she's also kind of fucked in her head thinking like well i'm sick so i can't um and then and then there's like some witchcraft stuff that's happening throughout and it sort of like evolves without giving anything away um and anyway some of the like when i wa- i love movies like the witch is my it's one of my it's probably my number three favorite movie of all time okay. i love movies about witchcraft mm-hmm. Just rewatched the craft the other day. Holy shit! Isn't that a fucking great movie? Fucking awesome! It's Man, so good. We te- like pubescent girls, and you know, if you like the craft, you should watch this for sure. Okay, for sure. Another movie called The Love Witch. Amazing! Holy shit! Also oh. on Shutter. Fucking witch- am- witchy. Is oh it- yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's about. It's literally about a witch who is trying to uh, use like, like blood magic to like find a lover mm-hmm. fuck it's so weird and so cool anyway i love witches my mom's a witch i know <clears throat> and so i was uh watching this movie and i was and there's moments in this movie where like the love witch is kind of like it's like it's sort of like disney-esque like okay and what i mean by that is that it's very there's not like I, I i really enjoy stuff where i go oh fuck that was really fucked up and wild None of that in The Love Witch. Okay. You don't really get that much in in the craft either. But in this movie, Hellbender, there are some like witchcraft things that where I was like, the first death in the movie, mm-hmm. I literally, I was by myself. It was just me and Donut watching it. And I literally out loud to myself went, oh, okay. 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 <laughs> We're in for this. All right. Fuck. Donut remembers. I can tell by the look on his oh, face. Oh man, yeah, he was uh, he was just snuggled right after me the I whole time. I love that he watches TV. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hellbender, really cool, really cool, low budget, fucking highly recommended if you like horror movies and if you like if you like witch stuff at all, it's mm-hmm. fucking cool. Cool. It makes me. I mean, it really makes me wish that witches were like real, real, real. I know witches are real, but I mean like this witch shit. You know, like a witch that could like lift a grown man off the ground with her telepathy and then just turn him into dust. Huge spoiler. Sorry, that was the, that was the first death. <laughs> that was the first death in the movie. And I was like, oh shit. Amazing. Cool. Okay. Yeah, it's really cool. And actually the lady reminded me of your mom. The mom reminded me of your mom. Oh yeah. Yeah. How about you seeing my mom on the big screen yesterday with no teeth in? <laughs> We went to go see a movie that is uh, screening in some cities in Canada right now. Yeah, if you're in Halifax or in Toronto, yeah. please go see this movie. Friday's whole family is in it. My whole family's in it, and 
it's a huge deal to have a film from a, a, our little Prince Edward Island just like in these theaters to begin with. It's in you can watch it in Cineplex yep. here in Halifax for a week now. Yeah. Uh, in Toronto, probably the same thing. For it's, a start, week. it's starting April 1st. And depending on how it does in Toronto, we'll determine whether it has a future yeah. life in other cities. So go out, see it. It's called A Small Fortune. But your dad was, it was so nice to see. I almost cried a couple of times yeah, watching same. your dad on there. Um, but your mom was on and your mom at the time had like some dentures some like dent dent she had some like serious dental issues yeah and i never i never saw i never saw charlene <laughs> while that was happening okay like the, but i knew her teeth were fucked and that she was going through a whole like rigmarole of trying to get her fucking teeth fixed yeah she shows up on the screen and i was like <laughs> god that, that looks so much like bridie's mom but like a really fucking like rough looking mom <laughs> yeah and I, I didn't think it was your mom and then i saw her tattoo on her wrist and i went oh my god i had to lean to you and i was like is that your mom <laughs> and i was like why does she look so fucking different and it's because she had no teeth uh, man people with no teeth look changes everything very different it changes holy everything. shit she's so funny she said to me uh i think it was like a couple months ago i was like mom there's a lot of film work coming to the island this summer and she's like great tell them i'm around teeth in teeth out tits in tits out <laughs> oh, it, it's funny because i think i remember you saying she was feeling really self-conscious about it when they were going to film because she had no teeth but god damn it well, way she, way better off for it or she, it was so fitting for her character well she could have had teeth in. oh she could she had dentures oh, she had at the time oh, okay but i know even the fact that she was just willing to play the part without oh, them. Oh, so good that she didn't have the teeth in. I know. She, it was so perfect And that's for that what character. makes her such a pro, because she was definitely self-conscious about it in real life. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Man, give an actor a brand new face to work with, and well, that's uh, going to be exciting. There we go. A couple just the tips. Hellbender and A Small Fortune, which is in theaters in select cities right now with Brady's entire family. Your, uh, Sophia, our niece. Our wonderful niece, who both my mom so and my good. niece have been on this show, and they're yeah. both in that movie. They were so good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. We'll be back next week with another wonderful episode. In the meantime, uh, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or just leave a simple rating on Spotify on your mobile app. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, if you have a brain boner, uh, we haven't got one in a long time. Send us in, send us in a little question. Uh, Turn me on podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. That is pretty much it, I think, for this week. Until next week. You touch yourself. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 